So the things that aren't just fraud, but actually the human trafficking and child exploitation, even dollar transactions in the middle of the night aren't just collusive merchants. They're actually, they're actually people being bought and sold. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mike Carroll of the International Association of Financial Crime Investigators. We are in National Harbor, Maryland at the Great Gaylord Hotel. I am with Mark Solomon. Mark, how are you doing today? And I'm good as usual, excited about our next guest uh, coming on to the podcast. Yeah, we've been at the conference, but we're about halfway through, right? We are, we are. The, the week has uh, really flown uh, pretty quickly, and uh, tomorrow will be our last day. Yeah, a lot of great presenters this week. How about our uh, networking event last night at Top Golf? That was pretty good, wasn't it? That was great, except for my golf. Uh, it wasn't too good <laughs> last night. I think I broke some of the equipment there. Mark, we've had a lot of great presenters this week, and we got a special guest right now. He's a very talented individual. And he's going to talk about a very important topic, and then he's got a little treat for us at the end of today's podcast. Yeah, this is actually a first for us, Mike. We're actually going to be interviewing somebody, and then we're going to be doing a live song on the podcast. So we're not singing, are we? No, we're not singing okay, that because good. we don't. We want people to stay on and listen, so we won't be doing that. But it's my distinct honor to invite this gentleman to the show today. He is the founder of the Noble, a nonprofit with the mission to unite the financial crimes industry to protect vulnerable populations and fight human crime. Uh, This gentleman spent more than 25 years and has worked in 14 different countries working on fraud and financial crime. And uh, I love his story because he actually uh, retired from that and got into singing and, and music. And then something changed his life and brought him back in in a different way. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show the founder of The Noble, Ian Mitchell. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you inviting me here. This has been a great event so far. We've had fun, and I've met some amazing people here. It's just been unbelievable, the kind of folks that have come through, not only our booth, but just getting a chance to meet law enforcement, sit down with them, and then just the financial services industry in general. So it's been a great event. So thank you for letting me spend a little time with you. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Absolutely. Ian, i got to ask you right at the beginning here, how did this all start for you? I mean, like the Noble Project... How did you get involved in all of this? Well, just like uh, Mark said, I I retired early about seven years ago, not because I could afford it, by the way. It's just because I got so burned out. I love to say that I wore the tread off my tires in banking. So I was was a fraud fighter, like you said, for about 20 years. Um, I was a head of fraud at Fifth Third Bank, Ally Financial. I'd be all over the world, Shanghai, nine countries all over Europe. It just was a blast, except I just was missing something in my day job. There was something more than just paying my mortgage or paying my car payment, and I didn't know what that was at the time. And so... uh, uh, I just was done. I, I got beaten up so much in the financial service industry for some regulatory troubles and helping. I'm just, I mean, just honestly, I, I got, you can only balance customer experience and f- meet fraud loss, losses for so long until you're just worn out. So that's what happened. Um, I basically, I have a business partner now for my, my business called Omega that says, you know, I hit the eject button. I was just done. So I was more focused on growing a beard than anything else at that time <laughs> of my life. I moved down to the mountains of Chattanooga, Tennessee, just to get away from banking. And then I met somebody. I have a really influential friend down in Atlanta. 
And I was at a, um, I'd go down there and I'd meet, you know, Hall of Fame basketball players and CEOs of big companies. I always met really interesting people down there. And this one time I went down there for breakfast and over a cup of coffee, I met this gentleman named Matt Friedman. Matt is the CEO of the Mekong Club. He spent several decades fighting human trafficking, several with the United Nations, and he blew my mind. Over one cup of coffee, I went from not wanting anything to do with financial services and financial crimes. I was more likely to be a Walmart greeter than ever go back to banking. And end of the day, he started telling me about this thing of human trafficking, which I knew nothing about. I didn't know anything about it. And he started telling me that, you know, he was there for a conference or a meeting in Atlanta with one of the Atlanta-based banks. And he wanted to convince them that banking needed to do more. He had no idea that I was an ex-banker or a recovering banker. He had no idea. And he's just started sharing with me that even dollar transactions in the middle of the night aren't just collusive merchants. They're actually, they're actually people being bought and sold. And I went in that moment for there, and about three weeks after, I went from not wanting anything to do with it to feeling so compelled that I had to get involved. And so... Well, um, could tell, we could tell, first of all, that, you know, your passion and over the last uh, two years that we've gotten to know you through the IFCI. Um, that's one thing you tell about Ian Mitchell. I, yeah, I love that passion. I love how, you know, at first you said you were burnt out. Yeah. And then to come full circle and be impassioned again for such a, a noble cause. And that's uh, no pun intended, but, uh, you know, I think you have the perfect name of your company because it is a, a noble thing that you're doing. Do you know where that came from, Mark? So, uh, so the noble, I used to tell my fraud team all the time, the most noble profession in banking is fighting fraud. I used to tell them because we'd be stopping identity theft, saving people from ATO, all those kind of things, account takeover. But it really became true when you start talking about human crime, as we call it, right? So the things that aren't just fraud, but actually the human trafficking and child exploitation. The K in noble stands for knights, because I figure the best of the best are the people that are at the fight. The people that are actually fighting this. And so that's where the K stands for. It's, it's all the people like a lot of our, our folks and participants. So uh, that's, where, that's where the K comes from. That's where the noble. Yeah. Nice. Ian, can I ask you also, the noble, more than just human trafficking, right? There's other areas that you investigate or look into, like child abuse, uh, elder exploitation. Is that true? It is true, yeah. So um, what we did is we started talking about the things that fall through the cracks at banks. And so if it's not fraud, if it's not, not money laundering, a lot of times they're not getting the attention that necessarily it needs. And some of the best people in the world are fighting money laundering and fraud every day. But these types of what we call human crime, so human trafficking, child exploitation, scams, and elder abuse are the four that we focus on primarily. Now, that list may grow. Um, Scams is getting a lot of attention now, which is a great thing. But that human crime was funny. Somebody on our team, we started listing them off that way all the time. They're like, we have to come up with a name. And we realized that the best name is human crime because it's the human at the center of the crime that we're focused on as the noble. And that's what we're doing is we're helping our network reshape their thinking about how to fight these human crimes and how to use their technology and their skill sets and their investigation skills and actually deploy them against these human vulnerable population type crimes. Yeah. And, and what are some of the goals of the noble? I mean, uh, what can your organization do to help this problem uh, and these human crime problems? Yeah. So I love that question because what I will tell you what we aren't, first of all, we are not trying to displace or compete with anybody already in the market. Remember, I'm a, I'm a recovering, I'm a banker at my core. And so just like I was, I like to say, asleep for 20 years, I didn't know that these human beings, I, I mean, I was around it and I was... I knew that this was happening, but it didn't really, it didn't resonate internally. And as I made decisions as an executive leader or a manager, my whole goal 
is to awaken, equip, and deploy. That's our goal as a mission. Awaken the financial services industry, awaken law enforcement, awaken to the, the fact that the other end of these transactions are human beings. Equip them with knowledge. So much of our industry is about language. I spoke about this on stage this morning. I speak about this a lot. Is there's the language of law enforcement, the language of banking. And the issue is, is our language is we speak different dialects. It might be the same thing, but they're different. So language, so equipping, we equip through training. We offer different training for people that want to, and then we deploy them. And this is the important part of our mission. So it's one thing to have head knowledge. It's another thing to have a heart knowledge. That's the awakening equipping. But if you don't know and you don't practice it, you're not ever going to get anything done. So we're all about action. So our goal is to create these projects. We call them sprints, quests. There's all kinds of names. We create initiatives that are 30, 60, 90 day initiatives where the entire industry comes together and volunteers to solve a problem related to human crime. And there's all kinds of problems we're solving. We'll talk about a couple of them. But that really is the goal for us. I realize this. This is the backstory. I was at the American Bankers Association Financial Crime Conference. I'm on the, the stage of the General Assembly with the Chief Compliance Officer of Chase. And I'm sitting there looking at about 3,000 financial crime fighters. And in that moment, I realized, just like me, if I could awaken them, if we could get them involved, there's hundreds of thousands of unbelievable people all around the world. If we could awaken them in their day job today about human crime, that's the only way we win this, because right now there's so many bad actors, right? So that's the whole goal is we can awaken and get them where they are today, whether they're at service providers or banks, get them into the fight, everything changes. Uh, Ian, you were part of a great uh, roundtable discussion today. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I know you talked about training for law enforcement, training for financial crime investigators. Do you do any training for the public? Yeah, so we get that question a lot. There's a lot of great organizations that do. We don't do a lot of training for the public. Now, we have partnered with organizations like TikTok to try to complement them with understandings of financial services. This is where I think we fit in. Um, there's great organizations like the Identity Theft Assistance Center, AARP. But I think the hole that we fill or the whole way that we solve the other side of the equation is we bring that banking, that financial services, that language, that understanding to all the organizations that are already trying to educate and help us as individuals. Yeah, and, and, you know, like I said, I, I spent 26 years in law enforcement and the last two years at a financial institution. Our financial institution has actually um, joined with Noble. And, and like I said, uh, my team around two years ago wound up getting assigned human trafficking investigations. And, and like I said, I, I had very little experience. And, you know, the first thing we did was I reached out to Ian and said, you know, how can you help us? And, you know, we got that dialogue started. We're getting getting communication, we're getting training and education and building, you know, this process. And and like I said, I think that's a, a very important to think, you know, when it comes to financial institutions, we, we're so focused on dollars and monies and figures and statistics, but, you know, helping us understand that there's a human being behind that crime and that, you know, this person is a victim and, and you know, it's an obligation of ours to make sure that justice is sought, you know, um, um, and we identify these crimes as quick as possible and take action. So what do you think are some of the difficulties on the financial institution side of things? Well, I think right now we struggle. And for those that are maybe the bankers on the other side listening, you'll understand this. But um, just like so many organizations, and I think law enforcement's the same way, we're separated by units. So um, the AML anti-money laundering group and the fraud unit and the cyber unit, a lot of times aren't in the same group and they don't communicate very well. And so, like I said, these crimes fall into between the cracks of our programs and our technologies and our processes. It's a little bit of who's on first. 
There's people in these organizations that all care about these human crimes. The question is how we mobilize them together. And that's one of the biggest things that I see as organizational challenges for us. Now, the other thing is, is what's measure of success for each of these? In the fraud, you know this, Mark, in the fraud group, you're measured by meeting your loss expectations, making sure you save as many people from financial loss. In the money laundering group, you're trying to stop money laundering and you're reporting different things to the regulators, right? In the cyber group, you're trying to prevent uh, network intrusions and all kinds of... So for those are great, great, great goals. And I can't say that enough. Those were really good in financial institutions and banking at solving those. But when you solve human crime, those can't be the measures. And so I think that's what we're exploring as the noble, is we're trying to come together and figure out what should we explore? What should we measure? How should we track this? And dare I say, we're nascent. In all the human crimes, we're just at the infancy. So a little bit goes a long way. And, and so there's not some huge training packages that we have at the Noble. We have them. Best practices and proven practices. You know what goes a long way, though? We have roundtables on human trafficking and scams. Just getting all the banks who care about this, investigators and detection analysts and executives, all on the phone, talking about with each other. And they have courage, raising their hand and saying, you know, this is what I do. We're asking the dumbest questions. Like, what do I do if I suspect child trafficking? What, what, what do I do? And so I think that's the important thing is bringing really well-meaning people together and give them a forum to start sharing with each other. Yeah. And Mike, I, Mike, I've been on these calls. And like I said, it's just the power in numbers and the power of experience bringing them all together. And that's what Noble does. It brings us all into that room to discuss topics. And, and like I said, maybe I don't have the answer or Ian does, but somebody in that room has faced this situation and can share that knowledge with everybody else. It's truly a, a dynamic call. And, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful for, for that opportunity. Ian, just like Mark, I had prior law enforcement experience, and uh, I was going to ask you, what type of training do you give to law enforcement? What do you tell them that they should be aware of to identify human traffickers or those that might be in trouble? When it comes to law enforcement, I, lo- I love the question, and I don't know exactly what type of training, although I've talked to Fletzi and other organizations, that there is a basic understanding that we have to have around financial services. So I think there is a, there's a gap or there's an opportunity to increase law enforcement's understanding of what information financial services has. Because again, it's that language breakdown that we have. So law enforcement doesn't know what to do when they pick up the phone and call an investigator at, at a financial institution. A lot of times they don't know that there's a geolocation on that transaction. They don't know that, you know, what type of transaction transactions, monetary transactions exist. They don't understand, you know, what the what the relationship is with that individual and the bank and other relationships. How deep is that relationship? So when we start having these conversations, I think law enforcement would benefit from some financial services type understanding is my first thought. But secondly, I think that I have, I have a project that I've really struggled getting off the ground. It's basically what law enforcement wishes banks knew. Because banks really have this perspective that a case goes into the black hole of law enforcement and disappears forever. And I know that's not true. I've got some great friends in HSI and Secret Service. I mean, capacity is an issue everywhere. But there's basic things that law enforcement needs to spend time to educate banks. Because unless, like you guys, you're former law enforcement, there's a lot of folks like me that are former bankers that I don't understand what you have. What I would ask law enforcement is spend some time, you know, help us, help yourselves, past your information, what you know, what you want us to know. Encourage us through sharing information, feedback loops. There's tons of opportunity to improve that relationship because honestly, I think law enforcement gets a bad rap from banks and banks get a bad rap from law enforcement. It's not because there's not good people on each side. I think that's critical. So Ian, in our organization, we have kind of three keywords. It's communication, collaboration, and cooperation. And to me, it, it sounds very synonymous of what you're trying to do is that 
you know, law enforcement and the financial industry needs to understand each other, find that dialect, like you said, to communicate with each other and then figure out the solution, I guess, you know, and a lot of people in the law enforcement community probably are unaware of how much information financial institutions can share when it comes to human trafficking. Sometimes we just don't ask the right information and we don't understand what the banks can and cannot provide us. We're used to, law enforcers used to being told no a lot when it comes to financial institution information because of uh, bank secrecy acts and protections. But when it comes to crimes like this, there is a lot of information, right, that the banks can share. We do that a lot with just fighting fraud, your typical fraud. There's a lot of information sharing that exists today that if we just understood how it's done today, we could apply that to human trafficking and child exploitation. This is why the DNA of our organizations, I'm so thrilled that you guys feel that same way because this is what we need. This is what's going to solve it. Um, so I think this is why we have such a great relationship as we've grown. Ian, we've had some uh, other great presenters this week, and one of the topics that has come up is more related to uh, social media is being used for fraudulent purposes. Is that a big recruiting tool for human traffickers using social media? It really is, yeah. So just, um, I just know from a personal basis and connections, I have um, Facebook and a bunch of them are the areas where they're grooming or they're finding victims. It's happening on the child exploitation, sex trafficking. That is, that is really is. And there are organizations like TikTok, for example, that are taking this very seriously. I know Facebook does. They have good programs in place there to try to detect. And there's always things we can do better. But there's an understanding. Clearly, we're one click away from everybody. And especially people when they find themselves in vulnerable situations, they're easily uh, targeted on social media platforms. And I, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, we have two very big gift card fans at this table because one, Mike, uh, did a stop action video for the IFCI this past year, just uh, educating store clerks on some of the scams and frauds targeting seniors and the use of gift cards as a way of laundering or sending money. And I know you also have an exciting project that you're working on with The Noble. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so so we have projects in place for human trafficking and, and child exploitation, but this one, we have projects also coming up on scams. And one of the things that we're doing, Walmart has sponsored this project, we're getting a lot of the gift card retailers, so a lot of the top organizations that would come to mind when you think gift cards are on this project, along with financial services, coming together to try to identify the way that gift cards are used to exploit people, both in scams and also how they use for trafficking. So these very smart people from the fraud groups and the money laundering groups are all coming together, again, sponsored by Walmart. That's how we do this, coming together to say, you know, let's document the areas of exposure and best practices related to how do you prevent and detect this powerful stuff. We're excited about coming into this because honestly, gift cards are great instruments that are being used for very terrible things. And I think the Retail Gift Card Association is also involved. It's like, how do we just start securing our borders of our different financial transactions? And I would say gift cards is long overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, I think that's great what you're doing with the elderly as far as the gift cards and making people aware that they're being used for other purposes than to give us a gift, basically. But is there any other projects that you're working that you could talk about? Yeah, so I've got a couple that I'd love to share. One in particular, though, is around the exploitation of children. So before I explain this, I would just ask anybody that has little ears on the phone, um, I would just say, I'm going to say some things that are just not fun and not great to hear. So just hit pause, hit mute just for a minute or two, and then you can come back and maybe come back and listen to it. So one, two, three, just want to make sure you have time to hit that pause button. So what I'm going to talk about is what we have called Project Umbra. 
And it's where five banks have come together with the help of other law enforcement agencies to detect the live streaming of sex acts against children. This is a horrific thing. On the scale of evil, this is the most, this is as far bad as you can get. This is terrible. And what we've heard is that because of platforms, live streaming platforms since COVID, the live streaming of these acts have actually increased X-fold. I mean, I've heard everything from five to tenfold, um, hundredfold since, since COVID's happened. And so what we've done is we've gotten five banks together. And those banks have put in similar to fraud detection rules, Mark, that we would know. They put in detection rules to identify patterns of this exploitation of children. And those five banks have found about 50 cases that we've escalated or escalating to law enforcement. That press release is coming out today or tomorrow. We're going to have a phase two of that project where we take those five banks and we're going to roll it out to the entire industry. Think about how powerful that is. If one bank finds one case, let's say those 50 cases, if just one child linked to those exploiters, which chances are they're linked to multiple that's one child per case. And this is what's really sad about this. It's not big rings. A lot of times these are family members. And so this is powerful. This is us helping the, the least of these, the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable. And this is the power of financial institutions coming together with law enforcement and using data and technology to find and protect the most vulnerable, right? That's a powerful project. I'm so excited about that. And we're going to that next phase here pretty soon. And, you know, Ian, uh, from learning from you and from others on this topic, though, many of the adult trafficking victims, a lot of them have had sexual abuse as a child or victims of that. So there, there is a correlation. If, if you could stop that activity now, the hopefully that they will survive from the initial crime that was committed against them and not become an adult victim of human trafficking. Yeah, if I can build on what you said, um, we have to break the cycle yeah. of this because I was talking to uh, with former ambassador of human trafficking, uh, Ambassador Richmond. I was with him in a meeting with 20 survivor organizations just a couple months ago. And I'm sitting there having a conversation. And one, he said, all these human traffickers are doing this for financial gain, one, the big organizations. But second, as I'm listening to the survivor networks, they all said to me, and I've heard this over and over again since, that the number one problem we're trying to solve is, is break the cycle. They need jobs. They need, and so what we need to do is, yes, they've been exploited in the past and we need to help them with their recovery. At the same time, there are a lot of them have children. We need to break that cycle that's, that's existing in this community. And we can do that in our community, in our network. So one of the examples I would love to say is um, I started a for-profit company called Omega. And this is a fraud fighting company and we do fraud consulting. But the other thing we're doing, this is exciting and I think it's important for your listeners to hear, is we're opening up fraud operation centers where we'll do outsourced fraud detection and investigations for banks. 25% of our employees fighting fraud are going to be survivors of human trafficking. We're going to teach them the basics of financial services and fraud and give them jobs that they can build careers off of. And honestly, I love the redemptive aspect of this. We're going to be then putting them to work that have been abused by the situation. A lot of them have been committing identity theft or had identity theft committed against them. We're going to now teach them how to fight back through this process. That's what we all need to learn is we can do that at all our banks. We can hire people that are, we wouldn't think about hiring and train them and equip them to actually break the cycle both with their children and help their healing process. That's what I wanted to ask you. Is there something that you would do if somebody, you identify somebody who's a victim of uh, abuse, uh, where you could get them out of that location and, and move them somewhere else? Do you provide that type of assistance? So at the Noble, we don't, but we have a network of unbelievable survivor organizations that we've partnered with and are partnering with. There's great organizations that, that are well-established in this and, and networks like Polaris and NICMIC and organizations that are great at that. And so that's my hope is as we, as we start building our network, we know where to point them. We know where to take them into this fight. There's wonderful survivor organizations that are helping in the healing journey. 
but it's not a journey depending on, as I've understand, and I'm not an expert in this, but as I've understood, and I ask for a lot of forgiveness as I'm talking to survivor organizations, it's amazing how often I'm apologizing, but the journey is not just six months long when they've come out of this. These are multi-years. And so as we look at our survivor program at Omega, we're looking at this program that's going to be trying to help them manage through the trauma they've had and help them expunge their records, right? There's a lot of great organizations that help that, help them get banking. So a lot of them, they can't be banked because of history they have. So, so try to help them holistically mm. in their recovery process is what we need to do. Yeah, I remember uh, attending a conference a couple of years ago and listened to, to Mia Nagy, and she had talked about how her captors basically just broke her human spirit and just dehumanized. And, and they actually had a playbook of where within days to weeks, um, they had complete control over them. And they knew that even if they left these victims alone, that they wouldn't leave. And like I said, to break that human spirit, you can't fix that in a couple of days or a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Uh, for many of them, it's a lifelong journey to get back to where they were. Uh, it may never get back 100%, but, you know, it's so great that all these organizations that have different purposes can work together and hopefully help that victim to recover. So we, we thank you what you're doing, uh, what so many others are doing. I want to, uh, for our audience, uh, how can they get involved? How can they help the noble, the cause that you're doing, how can they reach out to The Noble? Well, there's two ways to get involved. One is um, thenoble.com. We tried to get .org, but a pest control company has it. So The Noble with a K. I know it's kind of funny. So T-H-E-K-N-O-B-L-E.com. Go there, join the fight. It's free for individuals to join the fight. We do screening to make sure that we're not letting bad actors into this network. And then from a corporate membership, supporting us on that side is a great idea. Love it. But just go to noble.com. Go and sign up, join the fight. The second thing is... You know, whether or not you join our nonprofit, there's Collective Liberty here. They're amazing. You start talking about some of the organizations that exist that are fantastic. Get involved even the slightest ways. Um, There are plenty of examples where banks and companies have trained their frontline staff and found trafficking rings. Right. Educated their frontline staff on scams and what to do and have that conversation. That's powerful. So there's little things that you can do no matter what you sign up for. Uh, Ian, at your presentation uh, earlier, uh, a little unusual, you uh, brought your guitar and uh, you, you sang a great song at the end. It was awesome. You have a great voice. You didn't happen to bring your guitar today, did you? I can I can find it somewhere. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's do I'd it. Nice. <laughs> Talk to us about playing guitar in your presentation and why you do that. Yeah, it's interesting. As I've kind of walked through my eject journey, like I talked about, just starting over, um, I went away to go focus on music and I wrote a couple books and I was just done and wanted to live the creative life for a while. And then I realized that somewhere along the way that if I can bring my full self, and that includes me writing songs since I was six years old, if I can bring that to the, the fight also, it adds a dimension that also helps people. One, the people in corporate America, they need to be encouraged also. We've all got healing journeys like I, and so music helps that. It also helps understand and not only encourage the people in the fight, but it sends a message of hope. And so that's what I've realized is I can bring all aspects of my unique and quirky personality with a lot of passion. And if I can bring all of it, it tends to solve the message where, you know, my whole goal, I I spend my first half of my day on the noble, second half of the day trying to figure out how to fund the noble. That's my days every day. But the goal behind it is not the noble or a company. It's the mission of trying to protect people. And so that's what I sing about. 
that's what I write about, really living a life of purpose, is if I had to sum up the message that I try to live for is encouraging all of those that are in a place, whether it's law enforcement or banking, to get involved, we all have that opportunity to really come in and no matter what we do, creatively or not, live a life of purpose. Well, we, we would like you to play if you don't mind. I'd love to. What, yeah. What's the name of the song again? This one's Old Dirt Road. I'm going to play a different one than nice. I played this morning. This one's okay. about, about that messaging of living a life of purpose. I'm already ready to buy your album, man. Let me know when it's released. Uh, yeah, man, like Spotify, Pandora, they're all over. Just go Ian Mitchell, Old Dirt Road, Ian Mitchell. I'm, I think I'm telling about music. Old Dirt Road, uh, you know, just uh, Ian Mitchell. On, on our, the one this morning was uh, uh, When It Doesn't Count. That was the latest re- release I have. What I love about your songs is, is the message behind in the lyrics. It's just it's inspiring, and uh, every time I hear your songs, I love it. So yeah. Will it come out in 8-track? Are <laughs> <laughs> you showing your age, Mike? <laughs> yeah, thanks again for this opportunity. This song is called Old Dirt Road, and it's about my personal journey of moving down to the mountains and just finding purpose and rediscovering myself. To the mountain three years ago And I was all done with the man I used to know All washed up, I had done my time Paid my dues, made it out just fine but This is a song about a man that could Rise from the ashes, still do some good Find a new passion down the old road And make a new life I swore that day I would not go back Nothing gonna change the cold hard fact Been burned up and broken on down My mind was spent and my passion left town But this is a song about a man that could Rise from the ashes, still do some good Find a new passion down the old road And make a new life, a life worth living This is a song about a man that could Rise from the ashes, still do some good Find a new passion down the yonder road and make a new life. But this is a song about a man that could rise from the ashes, still do some good. Find a new passion down the yonder road and make a new life. Nice. Nice. Hey, thank you guys. Right, man, that was Very awesome. Thanks for the good. opportunity to love share. It, love yeah. it. Thank you. Thank what you. a message. Yeah. You ever need an accordion player to go with that? Let me know. Mike, come in. You got, yeah, you, you may have some stuff to do or you need some, some things to do in a I don't, bit, I don't so. want to ruin it, man. That was too, that beautiful. That's <laughs> awesome. It's so good. unfair. I, I, we have two drummers as producers. I was going to say, you do have a couple drummers here. And, I, and a guitar yeah, and an accordion good. player, and I have nothing to, to offer. Go. Well, if <laughs> I can add one thing, it's interesting. Sure. The thing that excites me most about what we do is I've talked to heads of audit, the largest banks in, in the country, chief risk officers, COOs, investigators in financial crimes. I was on the phone with one just last week. And all of us are looking for purpose in life. And it's amazing for us in financial crimes that we're tripping around it all day long. And yet we don't realize it, right? We're so busy not only paying our mortgages and our car payments, which we all have. We all have to pay bills. But we're so busy like meeting our company goals, which is amazing. We have to. But we have the opportunity in this field, which is we're so blessed, in this field in financial crimes to have impact that actually is generational. That's the crazy part. If we're helping people with their life savings, their retirements, their girlfriend situations with these romance scams or these children and rescuing them, we can make generational impact here. And so I would just encourage everybody that's listening to not forget that behind every transaction is a human being. And all of us, no matter if you're an investigator, a detection analyst, a retail or a law enforcement, they know better than any. We can all get involved and really have major impact. We need to bring our full self to this battle. Otherwise, we're not going to win. 
I can't, well, so. I can't think of a better way to end this podcast. Uh, Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Thank you to the IFCI. It's just such a pleasure being here. I love this, and I'm looking forward to continued partnership. Yeah, we were glad to have you here. Really were. You yeah, were you're outstanding. Special person, and keep up the fight. Exactly. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.